We're here to celebrate the first year of many years. We're here to celebrate the first of what God has done over the last year. And it's so interesting how the, the newer you are, the smaller the unit of measurement that you celebrate. Like when, when you're a baby, you, me- you measure a baby's life in weeks and then in months and then in years. But at some point that falls off. I have not gone around any time recently and told anyone that I'm 438 months old. They would look at me like I was absolutely insane if I told them I was 438 months old. Now I measure it in years because the older you get, what you start to realize is that some moments are actually more significant than other moments. That, that, that when you are young, when you are little, you kind of celebrate every moment because everything is new and everything is fresh. But as you get older, you begin to realize that there are some moments that are more significant than others. And there's no one that celebrates like a first parent celebrating a first child on their first birthday. It's like the collision of all of the firsts possible. I still remember our daughter Bella's first birthday. She was our first child, and we went all out. I'm not kidding you. We used our wedding china. I think it may have cost more than our wedding. We had these custom cookies made that were actually the shape of her profile, which was a lot less creepy to eat than it probably sounds like. The invitations were these die cut out uh, invitations of her profile. We went all out. And I remember at this one moment, I remember looking at her in the party. She was sitting in like this wicker carriage and she was opening gifts. Kristen was opening the gifts next to her and she was sitting there. And I, I just remember thinking like she has no idea what's happening. Like We have invested so much We're all here, and she has no idea what's happening, and she has an entire life ahead of her, and I feel like we're in this season as a church where we actually kind of have no idea what God is doing. Like We're just kind of along for the ride, taking the next step that he asks us to take day by day, taking the next step and taking the next step. See, what you don't realize is you don't realize the impact of a moment until you're actually able to look back on it. As we were looking through photos, as we were looking through videos, uh, putting everything together to celebrate this one year, I actually found a photo of the, it's the moment that I met Billy. The moment that I met Billy, we were at the Overton, and, and I remember when he walked up to me, I remember right where we are, and I actually remember someone snapping this photo, and I found this photo of us sitting there talking, and I remember thinking, when you're meeting people that are maybe interested in being involved in a church plant, it's like, I may never see this guy again in my entire life, or five years from now, he may be one of my best friends. But what I did not know in that moment when we met, what I did not know is that he would show up to our house. I did not know that he would begin serving on our team. I, I did not know that he would begin setting up and tearing down every week. I did not know that one week on a random chance, his father would join him and his father would come to know Jesus Christ. I did not know that in the moment. And, and sometimes because we don't know the power of a moment when we're in it, we underestimate the power of the moment because we don't realize what God wants to do in and with that moment. I don't know if you've ever known somebody, maybe you feel like you are this person, but there are some people you see in life that it feels like their, their talent and their position and everything they have going for them is in their corner and yet they just can't seem to get it together. 
They can't seem to take the next step. They can't seem to move forward. They can't see. You look at them and you think to yourself, man, if I had the resources that they had, if I had the position that they had, if I had what they had, I know I could do so much more with what they have. See, The danger in a moment like this, the danger in a moment like this where we are celebrating our one year anniversary is to get stuck in this moment. And that's why today we have intentionally made our anniversary Sunday, our vision Sunday, where we kind of lay out our theme for the next year. Because what we want to be clear about on this first Sunday of a new year of Harbor Church, what we want to be clear about is we never want to be the kind of people and we never want to be the kind of church that fall so in love with looking to the past that we forget to look towards the future. We never want to be the kind of people that look that, that fall so in love with what God has done that we quit believing him for what he still wants to do. Because we know that this is just the beginning. See, a lot of people... A lot of businesses, a lot of churches, a lot of marriages, a lot of relationships start well. They start healthy. They start happy. They start well. But what does it take to truly keep moving in what God is doing in your life? What does it take to stay on the path that he has set you on? See, I I always have this fear of starting well but ending poorly. And there is this man in the Bible, his name is King Saul. And you, you may have heard of King Saul. He had incredible potential. And he was given position. He was actually anointed to be king of the nation of Israel. He had all of the opportunity to be a, a king that served after God's own heart. And he actually started well. But, but he ended a, a, a judgmental, a, a bitter, a jealous king. And when you look at his life, it begs the question, what happened between when he started well and when he finished so poorly? Because it it was not one single catastrophic event that brought him down. It was not one single moment. It was the choices that he made along the way. Do, Do you ever think about, if I asked you, what is the most spiritual activity that you ever engage in? For some of you, you'd be like, nothing. There's nothing. For some of you, you, you might say that it's prayer. Others of you, you might say that it's worship. Some of you might say it's attending church. Like just showing up today is the most spiritual thing I've done in a really long time. Some of you that are really spiritual and, and really into it, you might say it's fasting, that occasionally I will fast, I will deny myself something in order to seek more of God. What is the most spiritual thing that you engage in? But I would challenge you that the most spiritual act that you engage in on a day-to-day basis is choice. Because before you pray, before you worship, before you open your Bible, before you come to church, before you do any of those things, you have to make the choice to do them. And see, what happened in the life of Saul is that somewhere along the way, he stopped making the choices he needed to make to advance his life in the direction that God had for him. Somewhere along the way, he started to get comfortable in the way he had always done things, and he quit advancing his life in the direction that God had for him. And in 1 Samuel chapter 14, Saul has been recently anointed king, and the Bible tells us that he's been in battle, 
and he's had about 3,000 soldiers with him. He's got this mighty crew of guys, but, but they come up on a battle that a, a lot of his crew gets a little, a, a, a little spooked. A lot of them get a little worried. A lot of them get a little concerned. And it says many of them went and they hid in holes. It says some of them turned back. It says some of them stayed where they were paralyzed by fear. And I think we can all relate to one of these reactions to any kind of hostility in our life any kind of unknown circumstance where we we either find ourselves in hiding we either find ourselves turning back or we find ourselves paralyzed with fear unable to move forward see here's what i know about your life is that god has a plan and a vision for your life that that god has a purpose for your life, that that he has a vision for your life. The question is, do you have a vision for your life? Are you embracing the vision that God has for your life? See, the Bible says that without vision, the people perish. Without looking towards the future that God has for you, you cannot survive this life. Because what we believe at Harbor Church is that God didn't just come to give you life after death. God gave to give you new life right now in this life, that he has a life for you to live, a life of purpose and a life of meaning. But it's up to you to make the choice to step into that moment. It's up to you to make the choice to step into that life. You cannot survive looking back and turning back to look in your past. It doesn't matter how wonderful your past was or how challenging your past was. Your past is meant to be learned from. It is not meant to be lived in. You cannot live in your past. And some of you have been held hostage to a moment in your past. Some of you have been hostage to a moment that has already passed you by and yet you are still living in it. And Others of you are, are kind of watching as life passes you by. You're, you're paralyzed to step forward into the life that God has for you. And it says that King Saul is about to come up on another battle. But because of all that's gone on in his camp, he's now only down to 600 soldiers. And his enemy is this army called the Philistine army. And the Bible tells us that the Philistine army actually controls all of the blacksmiths in the land. And it tells us that because they control all of the blacksmiths, they have not allowed the people of God, the the children of Israel, they have not allowed them to have swords. And so they are literally going to blacksmiths and they're, they're having their farming tools basically sharpened into weapons. But their enemy will not let them have swords. Their enemy will not let them have weapons. And I think it's important that we realize that the enemy will always try to keep you from your most effective weapons. The enemy will always try to keep you from your most effective weapons. They're going into battle and the enemy has stripped them of people and of swords. People and of swords. And as followers of Jesus, the two of the primary weapons that God gives us when we go to battle are the people in our lives and the word of God time and time again referred to as the sword. That that you cannot step into battle without people behind you and knowing the word of God. And your enemy will always try to keep you from your most effective weapons. And we pick up the story in 1 Samuel chapter 14, beginning in verse 1. 
It says, one day, Jonathan, son of Saul, said to the young man bearing his armor, come, let us go over to the Philistine outpost on the other side. But he did not tell his father. Verse six, Jonathan said to his young armor bearer, come, let's go over to the outpost of those uncircumcised fellows. Perhaps the Lord will act on our behalf. Nothing can hinder the Lord from saving us, whether by many or by few. Do all that you have in mind, his armor bearer said. Go ahead, I am with you, heart and soul. Jonathan said, come then, we will cross over toward the men and let them see us. If they say to us, wait there until we come up to you, we will, we will stay where we are and not go up to them. But if they say, come up to us, we will climb up because that will be our sign that the Lord has given them into our hands. Now, I want to point your attention to one very important word in that plan. Perhaps the Lord will work on our behalf. Perhaps the Lord will work on our behalf. I don't know if you've ever been told a plan about something you're uncomfortable with, and then once you hear the plan, you're actually more uncomfortable with what's about to happen. A few years back, we were doing some work in a, a small village in, called Chiapas in deep, deep South Mexico. And we had literally driven for almost eight hours a day for two straight days to get to this remote location where we were going to build a church. And it was kind of a, a typical South American structure where we were kind of building out of block and it had these big iron beams that went through the middle that kind of made up where the roof would be. And, and towards the end of our days of building, we were like, how is the roof going to be put on this building? And the missionary said, well, it's funny you ask because I was thinking actually, uh, you and your friend over there are probably about the smallest people here. And um, we were thinking that you could scale up the iron beams and we'll hand you pieces of tin and you can nail those in and, and then shimmy across to the next row of iron and, and then we'll hand you some more tin and you'll nail that in. And I was like, I'm not doing that. There, there's no way that I'm doing that. I'm not gonna do that. And they said, no, 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 don't worry, don't worry, don't worry. We're gonna tie a rope around your waist. And I was like, great. So if I fall, I will live, but I'll be cut in half. If I fall, I'll live, but I'll be paralyzed. I'll have a broken back. I absolutely am not doing this. Sometimes the plan seems more dangerous than you expected. Sometimes the plan makes you more nervous about the next step that you need to take. And in this moment, Jonathan goes to his armor bearer, and, and, and I think that the conversation happens sort of quickly in Scripture, but if you can just imagine, it says it's the middle of the night, and Jonathan goes to his armor bearer, and he basically says, hey, get up, we're going to go pick a fight. And I like Jonathan for a lot of reasons, and that's one of them. He's like, hey, listen, get up, we're going to go pick a fight. And obviously his armor bearer was down because he was like, yep, I'm with you, let's go, let's roll. Everybody needs someone in their life like that that's like, I don't even know the details, but I'm in. And so he's like, yeah, let's go, let's do it. And, and he was like, so we're gonna go now. He says, yeah. Jonathan's like, we're gonna go right now in the middle of the night. And his armor bearer's like, perfect, night, they can't see us. And Jonathan's like, actually, the next part of the plan, we're gonna let them see us. And the armor bearer's probably like, interesting choice, but I'm listening. And he said, yeah, we're gonna let them see us. And, and if they tell us to come up to them, we are going to destroy them. And he's like, yeah, I like it. I love it. I'm in. I'll get the guys. No, no, we're not taking guys, just me and you. He's like, okay, by the way, what if they don't call us to them? Oh, then we're dead. 
If they don't call us to them, we're dead. We're, we're, we're just going to die. Just the two of us are going to die in the middle of this strait. And Jonathan says, but perhaps the Lord will work on our behalf. See, Jonathan is willing to go into a battle with what seems like a subpar battle plan because he understands that God is with him. He says, it doesn't matter if we are many or a few, perhaps God will work on our behalf. That, that as long as God is with us, we can step into this moment. See, I love that Jonathan said, let's go over to the other side and pick a fight. See, Jonathan was a man who understood that in order to live the life God had for him, he had to risk everything to get to the other side, that he could not stay where he was. And see, I think so often we think that risk is worth it if the risk brings us more security and more comfort. But the risk that Jonathan had to step into in this moment was going to bring him in direct conflict with his greatest enemy. It was going to bring him in direct conflict with his greatest enemy. But the question is, how do we get to the other side? How do we get to where we're willing to face that enemy? See, what we don't sometimes understand is often the victory that we are believing God for is in the same location as our enemy. That we actually have to face that enemy in order to experience that victory. And we so often want to flee from our enemy. But what we have to understand is that the Bible tells us that when we resist the enemy, the enemy flees from us. That we are not the ones that turn back. We are not the ones that remain where we are. We are the ones who advance. We are the ones who step forward. We are the ones who keep on moving because God is on our side. See, to get to the other side, the first thing we have to do is we must be willing to risk everything, even in uncertainty. Even in uncertainty, we have to be able to risk everything. I think so often we want to live lives where we see miracles, but we never want to be in a position to need a miracle. We never want to be in a position to need a miracle. See, I don't think we often embrace this mindset, but what we have to understand is the best way, often the best way to find out if God is in something is to take a step towards it is to take a step towards it. See, often we get paralyzed trying to discern the will of God for our life. Paralyzed trying to figure out what is the next step that I need to take. God, just speak to me about the next step that, I've, that I need to take. When God has spoken about so much that he wants us to do, that, that God has given us a directive, it's the mission of this church to go into all the world and make disciples, that if that is the direction we are going, we can take that step in confidence. This is why some of you have actually heard this, but this is why when we go on missions trips as a church, sometimes we have people, I'll invite them, I'll be like, hey, you should come. And they're like, yeah, I'm praying about it. I don't really know if that's what God has for me. And I'm like, no, it is. It definitely is. It definitely is. Because the Bible says, go into all the world and preach the gospel. It doesn't say if you particularly feel called to go into the world and preach all the gospel. It says, go into all the, if you are a follower of Jesus Christ, go into all the world and preach the gospel. Go into all the world and preach the gospel. So it is, it is for you. But I think so often we get paralyzed into trying to discern the will of God without realizing that one of the ways that God draws us closer to him is by putting us in situations where we're more desperate for him. That one of the ways he draws us to him is by putting us in situations where we are more desperate for him. This was a moment where Jonathan literally told his armor bearer, if this plan doesn't work, we will die. 
if this plan doesn't work, we will not make it. See, uncertainty, we don't like uncertainty, but uncertainty actually makes us more dependent on God. Uh, Uncertainty actually makes us lean more into God. Yesterday, we had to drive to Lakeland for an event, and my wife Kristen and I lived in Lakeland for 10 years leading up to before we came to plant this church in Sarasota. And so we, we know the way to Lakeland. We know the roads to Lakeland. And I never, on the way there, I, I never typed into my GPS the coordinates to where we were going because I knew where I was going. I had no question where we were going. In fact, if we had hit traffic along the way, I would have known the ways around the traffic. I know the way to Lakeland. I know how to get to Lakeland. But if you send me somewhere I've never been before, I'm typing that thing in my phone quicker than you can imagine. I'm following those directions step by step. I'm listening to that voice. I'm making sure that the music in my car is not too loud, that I can't hear that voice as much as it annoys me because it always seems to give me the next direction when the music is about to drop. That's just a side note. Like the music is about to drop and it's like turn left on South Universe and it gives like the longest name of the road that you didn't even know was the name of the road and it interrupts everything you were trying to do but you depend on the voice of that GPS to guide you where you're going because you don't know where you are going. And I think often what we want from God is certainty so that we don't have to lean on him. And what God often gives us is uncertainty so that we do have to lean on him, so that we do have to listen to his voice, so that we do have to turn down the voices of the world so that we can hear him more clearly. See, I think often we're looking for certainty. And if anything was ever certain, if anything was, was ever in stone, it would be, for those of us who follow Jesus, it would be the word of God, that the gospel, the, the people who wrote this word, that they were divinely inspired, that they wrote the words of the Bible. And that's why it's so interesting to me that the book of Luke begins with Luke saying, it seemed good for me to write these words down. It seemed good for me to write this gospel. Like, I would think that the gospel of Luke would begin, God spoke to me these words, so I wrote these specific words, but it says it seemed good that I write this down, so I did. I think sometimes we underestimate the power of just walking into something that seems good to see if God might be with us in it. Because you'll know quickly if he is not. You'll know quickly if it's not the step you needed to take. But I wonder how many things we have missed that seemed good, but they didn't seem perfect. We were waiting for perfection. We were waiting for perfect. We were waiting for clarity. We were waiting for certainty. And God said, no, go ahead and step into this moment, and I will be with you. You have to be willing to risk everything, even in uncertainty. See, I think too often we think that we have to know everything before we'll do anything. That we think we need to know the full picture before we can even take the first step. But Jonathan understood that he had to step into what God was calling him to, not knowing what the outcome would be. Not sure what the outcome would be. Not sure if his personal success would be guaranteed in this moment. But he took the step Number two, if you want to get to the other side, if you want to step from this moment that you are in into the life that God has for you, is that you have to let people see you. It says we will let them see us. See, there is a moment in your life where you have to let people see the life that you are living for God. 
that you have to live it in public, that you have to live the life that God has for you in the light. It's much easier to keep your life in hiding. It's much easier for no one to know that you're a follower of Jesus. It's much easier for for no one to know that you're involved in church. It's much easier for, for no one to know because then you are not open to the criticism that you may receive if they know. But see, Jonathan said in this moment, we're gonna step out and we're gonna just be who we are and we're gonna let people see us. We're gonna let them know that it's just the two of us, that we have enough courage to step into this moment as just the two of us. See, some of you work with people, some of you do life with people that have no idea that you're a follower of Jesus. So some of you do life with people and work with people that have no idea that God is a part of your life. You have to live this life in public. See, some of you have yet to step into what you're called to because you're afraid of what it will look like. You're afraid of what that life might look like to others, what it might look like to those around you because it's easier to live in hiding so you're not open to the criticism. And then number three, you have to keep moving forward. You have to keep moving forward. It says 2,400 soldiers turned their backs. 2,400 soldiers went back to the lives they had before. See, sometimes when the future looks impossible, the past starts to look a lot more pleasant. When it seems like the future is too much to bear, when it seems like the future is too much to handle, sometimes the easier route feels like it's to step back into our past, to turn back and go where we came from. You have to keep moving forward. See, what Jonathan understood is that God wants us to have an advanced mentality. God wants us to go until we get a no rather than wait for a yes. God wants us to continue moving forward in what he's called us to. And that's what Jonathan is doing in this moment. See, what Jonathan said is he said, our sign to keep moving forward, our sign that God has given us the victory is that they will ask us to keep moving forward, that they will call us to them. He said, if they tell us to wait, if they tell us to sit still, If they tell us to stay where we are, we're dead. But if we're called to keep moving forward, then we'll know that God is with us. See, the call of God in your life is a call to keep moving forward. It's never a call to stay where you are. It's a call to keep moving forward in what he's called you to do, to keep taking ground, to keep stepping into new things. That's where we are at as a church. See, we're we're celebrating a lot of wonderful firsts today. We had our first service a year ago. We had our first Easter, which was phenomenal. We had five people accept Jesus. We had seven people baptized. We had our first baby dedications this year. Everything was a first because it was our first year. But what happens in life is you start to get in trouble when you're celebrating New Year's, but you're not celebrating new firsts. You're celebrating New Year's, but nothing is changing in your life. You're celebrating New Year's, but you're celebrating New Year's, but you're not celebrating any life change in your life. See, as we celebrate new years, we should be celebrating new life change. We should be celebrating new people that have come into our lives, new people that have come to know Jesus. The sign was that they were moving forward. And if we jump over to verse 20 and 23, it says that Jonathan and his armor bearer, they climbed up with their hands and feet and they began to defeat the Philistines, that they called them to them and they began to defeat them. And it says, then Saul and all his men assembled and went into battle. 
They found the Philistines in total confusion, striking each other with their swords. Those Hebrews who had previously been with the Philistines and had gone up with them to their camp went over to the Israelites who were with Saul and Jonathan. When all the Israelites who had hidden in the hill country of Ephraim heard that the Philistines were on the run, they joined the battle in hot pursuit. So the Lord rescued Israel that day, and the battle moved beyond Beth-Avon. See, all it took was one person's willingness to step into the battle to bring others into the battle. It says that when Jonathan and his armor bearer stepped into the battle, it said it brought the rest of the soldiers out of hiding. It, It caused the rest of the soldiers to turn around and join the battle. It caused the rest of the soldiers who were paralyzed with fear to step into the battle and to start taking ground. It said from that moment, the battle moved beyond where they were. And here's what I know is that God has a life for you to step into it, but it's not just about you. It's not just about what God can do through you. It's about the people that will come alongside you and join the battle because you started it. Because you are willing to go pick a fight, someone else will get into the battle. Someone else will step onto the battlefield and join the battle. See, these people were in hiding. They were paralyzed with fear. It says that even King Saul, the king over all the army, it says he was hiding under a pomegranate tree. He had gotten comfortable in the shade, in the provision of the tree, and he was chilling under the tree while his son was in battle. But when he saw that the Philistines were in total confusion, he joined the battle. See, what, what, what sometimes you don't realize is that you don't have to have the position to start the movement. That, that, that the king should have been the one to start the, to start the fight. But his son said, you know what? If he's not going to do it, I'll start the fight. And it doesn't matter if he comes along later. It doesn't matter if he joins later. I'm going to step into the life that God has for me. I'm going to step into the future that God has for me. And he has a future for each and every person in this room. He has a plan for each and every person in this room. It might just take one or two of us taking that step for the rest of us to join. It might just take one or two of us taking that step to start the army to go to battle together. See, I was actually with my girls at the beach a couple weeks ago, and we had gone out, and we had been at the beach all day, and, you know, sometimes when you're there all day, like, your meals get thrown off, and then suddenly, just out of nowhere, you realize that you're, like, completely starving, and you don't have enough food. And that's what we were in. We had got just completely starving. We're sitting out there. The girls were starting to complain. And you know that once that starts to happen, you're in trouble because you got to get ahead of that because you know you got the whole pack up and the walk back and the rinse off the sand and the whole nine yards. And so I'm like, we're in big trouble here. And so we get ready. We get in the car. We're driving down the road and, and, and we're all rinsed off. And we see this guy making barbecue on the side of the road. And Maybe it was just how hungry I am. Maybe it's just that, like, if a guy's making barbecue on the side of the road and there's a line, it's good barbecue. I promise you it's good barbecue. And so we were driving down the road, and I see this guy. We pull over, and we buy the barbecue. The girls are, like, so excited. They're beyond excited. They are are, are just so excited to eat this food, and it's the smell is just filling the car. The aroma is filling the car, and we're driving down the road, and the girls are just, like, so excited, naming everything they're going to eat. And little Sophia, like, loves ribs, and she's like, yeah, I'm definitely going to have some ribs. I can't wait to get that going. And my daughter Bella's like, I'm going to eat hush puppies, and they're just so hungry. And we're just, like, naming off everything we're going to 
to eat. We're naming off all the things that we're going to have, all the things that we're going to eat. And just out of nowhere, Sophia was like, she, Sophia, she's like my little tenderest little girl. Out of nowhere, Sophia's like, yeah, this food sounds great. Quick question, Dad. If we saw a homeless person, would you give it to him? And I was like, why'd you ask me that? Because I'm uncomfortable right now because I know the answer. <laughs> And that makes me uncomfortable. And I thought about it for a minute. And Sophia, uh, if you've been around church, you've actually heard me tell stories like this before. Sophia is like, if we see anyone who looks like they're in any kind of need, she's like, can I give them the rest of this Coke? And I'm like, I mean, you can, yeah. But she just, she wants to get whatever she has. She's like, can I just give it to them? Can I just give them what I have? Can I just give it to them? And I thought about it for a minute because the true answer, if I was driving down the road by myself, I got to say, I think the answer is no. If I'm just honest, I think the answer is no. But I thought about it for a minute and I said, you know what? I think, I hate to say that the answer is probably no if I was alone. But I know it's yes because I'm with you. Because I know you wouldn't let me drive past someone and not give it to them. Because that's who you are. That's who you are. And so I'm, I'm glad that we're together. Because if that happens, yeah, we're going to give it to him. You see, this is what happened in this moment with Jonathan. It is all of these people in hiding, all of these people paralyzed with fear, they would never have stepped into that battle. They would have never taken the initiative. They would have stayed where they were. They would have been fine to stay where they were, to never take a step forward. But because Jonathan was with them, they took the step. Because Jonathan was willing to take the step, they followed along. It is important who you do life with. It is important the community that is around you. It is important that there are people in your life who will take the step when you're not willing to take the step. It is important that you have people in your life who are willing to take that step and take those first hits so that you can follow behind them. And it's important that you are that for people. It's important that you are that for some people in your life. And this is why we do what we do. This is why we believe that the church is the hope of the world. Because you can't save the world and I can't save the world. But we can each take our steps and we can each get in line behind each other and together we believe that we can actually make a difference in the world. Together we believe that the Bible says, we believe that the Bible says that, that God's glorious riches and his love towards humanity will be known through the church that the church is the vehicle that God placed on earth to be his hands and his feet to the world. And we're not here trying to pretend like we're the perfect church in town or we're the best church in town. All we're trying to do is take our step. All we're trying to do is take our step that God asked us to take. And all we're doing is saying, listen, if you want to be a part of that battle, join us. Take a step. Because we're going to keep investing in this community. We're going to keep investing in lives. We're going to keep believing that, that, that God can save this city. We're going to keep believing that, that Billy's dad was the first salvation. It was not the last. That we're going to celebrate year after year and, and week after week the lives that are added to the kingdom. Because of what God wants to do. If you would bow your heads and close your eyes with me this morning all across this room.